are so excited to be here today with Shereen Von Wolfen, co-founder of Bastide. It is a fabulous beauty and lifestyle brand based in Aix-en-Provence, and you will learn all about that in one second. She was formerly in PR and communications at Gucci, Yves Saint Laurent, and Tom Ford. She is a one impressive woman. <laughs> and we actually met through Kamal Spad Muffling. You may remember we've done a YouTube video and podcast episode with her. There was an event at the Moda Operandi Mansion around her book, Ageless Beauty the French Way, and that is where we got to meet. That's right. And we are so excited to have you today. I'm so happy to be here. That's quite an introduction. <laughs> I'm thrilled to be here. Well, thank you so much. So let's start at the beginning. Shireen, where were you born? Where did you grow up? So I was born in Isfahan, Iran, kind of in the middle of nowhere. My father worked for John Deere, so everyone always asked me if he was a diplomat. He wasn't. He was an agricultural engineer, was working for John Deere, and we had a farm with sheep and agriculture in Iran. Wow. So we're four kids, and the first three were born there, and then we moved when the revolution happened to Virginia. What a difference. And <laughs> also grew up on a farm there, so there we had racehorses and some agriculture, but mostly for the horses. Went to public school in Gordonsville, Virginia. Spent a lot of my time, because my parents are both German, so mm -hmm. I spent a ton of time in Germany as a kid, which was a great mix, you know, to have that small town Virginia experience that was very wholesome. And, and you know, we had to, you know, it was literally like, I feel like I'm ancient when I tell this, but walking to school and, mm -hmm. you know, it's just that very small town kind of thing. And then summers, being in Germany and being in Austria and mm. having a completely different experience. So that was the early years. Idyllic. <laughs> Very idyllic, yeah. And I think really, I always felt like I almost had, I was two people in one mm -hmm. because Gordonsville, Virginia is this town of 1,100 people with 11 churches, you know, and it's just uh -huh. this tiny town. Everyone goes to the IGA, mm -hmm. you know, it's Little League Baseball. My mother mm -hmm. used to coach, she coached actually our baseball, our soccer team. She was very involved, like a very German mother. Yeah, Really yes. awesome, great energy, always took charge. So we had this great community, but at the same time, we would go to Germany in the summers and have a completely different experience. Mm -hmm. You know, my parents both come from very old families in Germany, so you'd have to act differently. I remember I'd have to give hand kisses to the ladies, oh, you know, just this completely different world. <laughs> um, but I thought that was a really great thing as a child because it's almost mm -hmm. anthropological. You kind of mm -hmm. learn how different people are and how you have to follow a custom. That's and wonderful. my grandmother was very strict, you know, and she would teach us how to sit properly and speak properly. And, um, and then I think also just the languages it was great that I spoke German at home and I remember my friends always being really impressed by my mom because she always said what she thought she was very strong-minded mm -hmm. we ate mostly things from our garden I remember we would have apple trees in the backyard and they were these hard great apples and most of the kids that came to our house would say you know we can't even bite those apples they're too hard <laughs> my mother was like that's what your teeth are there for. you know so it was that kind of upbringing whereas everyone else was eating Twinkies and Ugh. you know it was that time and I think sure I was very lucky in that I mean I didn't think I was lucky I wanted Twinkies but sure but looking back my mother was really always paying attention to that she was not one of the moms who would give her kids penicillin right away you know or antibiotics she was really always always paying attention at that time when I was growing up everyone thought it was the norm like you should mm -hmm. just be giving your kids whatever the doctor would say and, mm -hmm. and she was already kind of looking out for us in hindsight I realized that that was a very healthy way to be 
really paid attention. And she was working hard. She was, so my parents basically ran a farm. I always say my mother knows how to do everything. She can build fences and wow. fix it. She would learn from the local carpenter how to fix a chair. That's something that I've learned in my life mm -hmm. too, is that the more you do things, the happier you are. You know, I used to have to mow the lawn and I would see what I had sure. done. Right. And that feeling gives you such a sense of yourself. And I find that sometimes when you're in the city, because we outsource everything, and we're not doing anything anymore, we don't see the results and we don't get those little moments of pleasure and feeling like we've accomplished, you know, I that sense of accomplishment. confidence, yeah. most yeah, definitely. Great. We were talking about that this morning. Yeah, especially as a woman. To know when I was divorced, I mowed the lawn. I, you know, I wanted to do everything that I could independently to raise Delia those early years. I wanted to be able to do it myself. And I think it does make you feel better, too. I think Absolutely. that's really the thing. I feel I, strong I, and yeah. brave, and you can go out and tackle anything. Absolutely, yeah. And how many languages do you speak? So I speak, let me think for a second. So German and English I grew up speaking. started French in high school, and I spent a lot of time in France and had it in college, so I speak French. I had an Italian boyfriend, so oh, I learned Italian. <laughs> I spent almost a year in Milan. I know, best way to learn a language. Oh, gosh. Um, I speak some Spanish. I can understand Spanish pretty well. I don't speak it fluently. I'm trying to think, did I miss anything? No, French. That's it. Oh, she French. Said that. She said that. I said French, German, English, Italian, and Spanish. You were born in Iran. So. I was born in Iran, but I don't speak Farsi. My parents both do, but I, mm -hmm. I left when I was four. So we left mm -hmm. when the revolution happened um, mm -hmm. and kind of never went back. I'd love to go back at some point. Mm -hmm. And we both went to college in Virginia. We you were TVA, and I was at William Mary. Yes. That explains place. about the Virginia. I was trying to figure out how you right. ended up at UVA. And UVA is such a great experience. I loved every minute of it. Mm -hmm. I think that architecture, living mm -hmm. there and learning there when you have this Jeffersonian architecture all mm -hmm. around, I think made a huge difference for me. I'm such a visual person, mm -hmm. so just sitting in a library that's really beautiful, I think... <laughs> worked for me. Exactly. Um, I loved it. I really, really loved it. The same it. thing being in Colonial Williamspark for school. It's yeah. that same thing. It's really special. Yeah. Definitely. And it's a great school because it's, you know, there are a lot of foreign students, a lot of athletes, mm -hmm. uh, but still. Right. Very social. And then this beautiful town, Charlottesville is a yes. charming town. I would highly recommend it. I think it's yeah. a great, great, great place. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then how do you think being around all those different cultures growing up shaped you into who you are and became? Well, I think, first of all, being able to imagine yourself in a lot of different shoes. I always say I love the idea of child labor. Um, I want my kids to work early because I think that the more you work and you realize what it feels like at the end of the day to be tired physically from mm -hmm. physical work. And we used to help in the hay. You know, we would yeah. do the hay, um, uh, what do you call it? Hay harvest, really, where mm -hmm. you pack hay bales and put them in the barn and, mm -hmm. and pick them up on the field and drive the tractor. So I think those kinds of experiences made me, I don't want to say humble, but it makes you realize that a lot of people are working really hard and that you can't assume that you're better than anyone else. And you mm -hmm. kind of, so, so I think that was, was really great. And then in combination with also being exposed to um, different places and um, maybe also people who who are possibly a little bit snobby but mm -hmm. you kind of also realize that they're stuck in their mm -hmm. thing so I think it's just it's just great I think you can really identify with a lot more people when you're growing up in different cultures absolutely and have uh, maybe have some empathy and I think that's helped me a lot in my work is just trying to figure out who people are and and what makes them tick and, mm -hmm. and 
think that helps you in work because you get along quicker. <laughs> I think so too. I think a lot of people are, they're nervous around people of other cultures or ethnicities or anything like that. So they are closed-minded. I mean, it just exposes you to more. So you're more at ease with all that. And yeah. you know, when you're a child, you're open to everything. I had this interesting experience not long ago. I went to Marrakesh with some girlfriends of mine uh-huh. and we were walking through the souk And I mean, I think it was from being a child in Iran. Like Mm -hmm. I felt like I was in my home. I mean, it just, my heart leapt. I I could have stayed there forever. And I realized how my friend was really fearful. Uh And she had had an experience when she was in kindergarten where she was living in Paris and there was an Islamic bomber who bombed Mm -hmm. in front of the building and all of the glass shattered and all the windows shattered. And she was in kindergarten. So she really remembers that and having this fear Mm -hmm. of Islam. Mm -hmm. And so for her, walking through the souk was a totally different experience because that fear of her childhood came out. And I really realized that it's so important to realize when you have these things and to kind of learn to let go of them yes. and to learn to let the fear to let it come out and and, yes. and realize where it's coming from because these people are beautiful people right. i mean in the souk they're as friendly as you can imagine and it is a different culture they're coming up to you and they want to sell you something which is something yeah. we're not used to but they're doing it in a very charming way it's right. just we feel like they're beggars yes. because that's what it is in our culture and it isn't at all in their culture. Right. It's it's a normal way of approaching someone. So I think it's those kinds of things that you learn when you're exposed to different cultures as a child. Mm-hmm. I think it becomes intrinsic that you don't make assumptions so as quickly. Yeah. Um, and you're not so fearful was, of different cultures. Right, yeah. It right. was probably great for her that she had you with her there. I think so. We kind of talked about it. I mean, we talked about what happened. This is a little irrational. Yeah, and she did. It was funny. She was really breathing very quick. I mean, it really was. It was a real moment. It was like a childhood trauma. But I think she got through it. I think it was good for her. Travel is the best way to. It is to broaden. It's just so important. And then after UVA. Did you come to New York right away? So I actually had a funny experience because I'm German. I've never had American citizenship. So Mm -hmm. we were on an investor's visa when we moved to the States, and I actually wasn't allowed to work. I went to UVA, and then I remember there were all these work fairs, and I was so excited, and I wanted to go to all the work fairs. And I I remember sitting across from people at the interviews, and they, I think they liked me, but then they they were like, you know, when it came to the question of, what citizenship? I said, well, I'm German. And they, you know, it was always problematic. It was really hard for someone coming right out of school to get a job in the States if you're not a citizen. So I interned with a firm in Hamburg in Germany um, one summer, PR firm, and they offered me a job. And so it was kind of like an out. I was like, I couldn't really understand how to figure mm-hmm. this visa thing out. So mm-hmm. I just said, fine, I'll just take this job in Hamburg. And it was a wonderful agency. They had all the big brands at the time. Yves Saint Laurent, when Yves Saint Laurent was still there. Armani, Mont Blanc. I mean, it was just a really great first experience. I worked there for about a year. I still had, you know, it was amazing just being able to represent Saint Laurent, the man, mm-hmm. when he was still there. I mean, to mm-hmm. have that view of how he was still in the business. And Armani, I have the greatest story was, I remember the bosses that I worked for were these two women. They're amazing. They basically started the business when they were 20 years old and had absolutely no idea what it meant to do PR and communications. Mm. And they're a little bit like the women from Absolutely Fabulous, that great English show. Oh, that is hysterical. So imagine a t-shirt with like a Gautier bustier over top, but they both have four kids. So it's like, they probably shouldn't be wearing that bustier, but they are. Oh, that is so funny. But they're spectacular and they have such a sense of themselves. And I remember when I first started, I think it was my first week on the job, 
they asked me to go to Milan to an Armani show and to seat the Armani show, uh-huh. which is where you put all the editors in their spots. Mm-hmm. And and I remember just saying, like, what am I what am I going to do? And I remember them saying, just run around and look busy and you'll be fine. And I promise you to this day, it's the best advice you can give someone in PR, because if you ever go to a show, that's what they're doing. They're running around and they look busy, but most of them aren't. The seats have kind of already been given. Everyone knows where they're sitting. You know, it was just a really funny experience. And I really saw the Milan, you know, Milan in the very beginning, that great, exciting time Mm. when fashion was just happening. And then I very quickly started my own agency, basically out of luck, because Gucci hadn't really developed in Germany yet. It was really the beginnings of Tom Ford and Domenico de Sole, and they decided that they really wanted to take on Germany, so they needed someone to represent Gucci in Germany. I met this woman, Julia Masla, who to this day is one of my favorite people in the world. She was running Gucci Worldwide the Communications, and so she basically hired me. I was super young. And um, I had this tiny agency. We did Gucci fragrances and we opened, I think, five stores in Germany and did big fashion shows in Vienna. And I mean, the things I did as a 22 year old were just you just don't have any fear. And I Mm -hmm. think that was also the beautiful thing of growing up in the States and having real confidence. I had no worries going into this place where I I mean, I I didn't know how to I knew how to write German a little bit, but I wasn't perfect. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm very fluent when I speak, but I didn't. My schooling was in English. So there were definitely times when I was like, you know, I have to write this press release and it's Mm -hmm. not great. And but you work through it and you you learn quickly and you also learn to focus on what you're really good at. And so it was a super exciting time and a great chance that this woman gave me. And I did that for three years. And then an editor of a magazine called Amika asked me to be his fashion director. And I was 23 at the time. Um, So I was the youngest fashion director in Germany. And the woman who was there before me, when she was leaving, she went to be the editor-in-chief of German Vogue. And she's still there. Her name is Christiane Arp. I was filling big shoes. It was also really difficult because I took over a team of much older women who were Hamburg-based, hadn't traveled very much. I mean, they would go to shows, but they weren't very open-minded and wanted everything to continue the way it was. And I remember that being my hardest ever work experience because... Mm -hmm. Uh, here I was, this young girl. He for sure had also hired me because he wanted someone to be working on advertising, you know? So he wanted kind of this fashion director who led the fashion, but who could also help him get advertising clients and represent, which is a smart move on his side, but it was hard for me because I like to think I'm very creative. And, and, and so I had real a real vision for what I wanted to do with the magazine, but I really realized that it's also very difficult. And I think yeah. it was the first time I noticed that I came in thinking, this is a team and we're going to work together and I'm going to make it work. And I really realized that I was probably too nice, you know, that I, Mm -hmm. that I needed to kind of say, guys, this my way or the highway. And, and, um, and I, and it was probably the, I was there for three years. It was the toughest three years of my life because Mm -hmm. everything that I wanted to do, it was kind of the, what I was seeing when I was going to shows was that it was much more interesting to see what the models were wearing backstage Mm -hmm. and on the street style. And that hadn't really started yet. The whole Facebook, the whole Instagram hadn't really started, but I was, you know, it was really what I was responding to. And I thought, you know, what's going on on the runway is not nearly as interesting as Mm -hmm. what's going on behind the scenes and I really wanted to focus on that and they were very reluctant to move away from 
everything they'd done. They'd done beautiful imagery, but just not very commercial, you know, not very. Mm -hmm. So anyway, it was a, it was a great work experience, but a tough one. And then the editor in chief left and a new one came in and she basically offered me to be the PR rather than the fashion director. And mm -hmm. I said, sorry, guys, I'm not doing that. And this really speaks for getting good advice on your contract. I had a contract that paid me for another year. So, but I remember also feeling it was the first time that I'd ever been let, not let go, but mm -hmm. you know, I was let go. I mean, she didn't want me as her fashion director. So I felt very sure hurt by that. But I think it was also the time that I learned the most. And as with everything, that got me to where I am now. And if I had stayed there, I wasn't super... I think Germany was a great start for me, mm -hmm. um, but I can't imagine ever being there now. And I, I think it's a, it's a great place when you're young to move quickly, but I think I'd also reached a limit. And after that, I moved to Milan for almost a year and I learned Italian mm -hmm. and I learned to cook a little bit. I took this great cooking class in Milan. so. And it wasn't an easy time because I think it's also the first time that I wasn't working. And then you kind of start to think, who am I when I'm not working? And who are my real friends? And mm -hmm. what do I mean? Yeah, now I'm not Miss Gucci and I'm not the fashion right. director of Amica. And, you know, before people are sending you flowers and gifts and all these things. And sure. all of a sudden you're just wandering the streets in Milan and mm -hmm. learning to cook. So I think it's a great lesson and a really great check-in where you kind of think to yourself, okay, who am I meant to be and who am I without my job. And then I pretty quickly started looking at other opportunities. I remember I almost started working for Helmut Lang right before he left his company. And then I found out that he was leaving and I was mm -hmm. like, not a good move. And then I almost joined Calvin Klein and I was a little afraid of that whole corporate culture. Mm -hmm. And then Tom came along and he said he had a wonderful person who was running his communications for Yves Saint Laurent in the States. And she was moving to Gucci because at that time he was doing both brands worked with him at Gucci. So he asked me if I would take over in New York. And I basically moved to New York for that job. I'd never lived here before. They set me up with a broker to find an apartment. And I was living on 150 East 57th Street, which is midtown. And it's yeah. noisy. And and our offices were also on 57th. So I'd walk three blocks to work on that crazy, noisy street. <laughs> and it took me about a year to get into the mode of New York because uh, it's so crazy. I'd never worked with editors in the States before. I'd always seen them at the shows because I was an editor as well, but I'd never worked with them. And I have to say, I never had that experience of it being an evil fashion world. I always really enjoyed working with everyone in the fashion industry. I thought it was a lot of fun. New York was an exciting time and, and kind of learning about all the charities and how you can build a brand. So it was, we had a great time. And Saint Laurent was kind of just starting. Tom was doing an incredible job. And I worked there for about three years until he left. Then I stayed on with Stefano Pilati. When Tom Ford started his own business, Tom mm -hmm. Ford Menswear at the time, I joined him there, which was a completely different experience because it was sure. suddenly such a small brand. And Tom was really involved, really hands-on. And I remember we hired the butler for the store. And then I worked with Tom for another three years. And then I took a break to have kids. And then Frederick and I started Bastide. So it's been a long journey. When I met Frederick, he said, New York is my place. I'm never going to leave here. This is so exciting. And he had come here as a young man with 
you know, I think he was 22 with $200 in his back pocket. And he started his own first salons and then his own hair care brand and really built it from the ground up. So New York is the place that gave him who he is. And he was always really excited about it. But the minute he turned 50, something changed. And they say that, that so often when you're 50, you kind of a frog has to go back to his pond. Hmm. He felt the need to be back in the south of France. He needed that light and he needed that lifestyle of eating Mm-hmm. fresh produce from the markets from, yeah and it's just a, it's a calmer life he always says when you go there your shoulders drop mm-hmm. four centimeters and you're mm-hmm. just breathing differently and i have to agree i mean it's mm-hmm. for me it's been the same experience it really opens you up it lets you think differently i always need new york still because i love that energy mm-hmm. but to take a break in in the summer and spend you know we spend two and a half months in the summer we spend most vacations there is a huge uh, magic. It's just magical. The light yeah. is magical. You it understand is. why so many artists painted there. You know, it's like you're you living know. in a painting. Yeah, and our kids, you can see how healthy they are. The mm-hmm. fruit tastes like candy. Potatoes, I mean, the vegetables the taste like candy. So, it was an eye-opening experience for us, and and it also um, that's why that that's what drove us really to start Bastide because you know when we were eating from the garden we felt so much better we were healthier our skin was glowing and we wanted that same thing for our bath body mm-hmm. and beauty you know we really wanted to create these products that were made from nature that were healthy good for you but also made with local knowledge so we work with different artisans different makers. We have a wonderful woman, Beatrix, who makes our soft soaps, and she used to work for big brands and realized she didn't want to have um, soap that was putting chemicals in the earth. So she said, I'm going to start my own little business. So it's a women-run business, and she um, makes this soap from olive oil and coconut oil. And Mm -hmm. if you use it, I mean, it's our shower gel. It's the most magical thing. Your skin is smooth. Mm -hmm. You almost don't have to put on lotion afterwards because it doesn't have all those stripping agents, Mm -hmm. and it's super natural, and it it goes back into the earth, and it doesn't do anything. So it's those kind of stories that really inspired us to make things that are special but that sometimes are also they're really simple mm-hmm. and they're really logical they're you know like i was talking about my mother growing up in virginia and she would plant asparagus in the backyard and teach us to eat in a healthy way she would yeah. always make things from scratch and it's the same thing i think that in beauty there's a real need to go back to basics and to make things in a way that that is really good for you we just um, started skincare and we made some amazing um, skincare blends that have a lot of extracts of, of fruits and and, um, and and it's just really beautiful how you can nurture your skin from the inside and outside using very natural, very effective um, ingredients. So it's been great. Yeah. Like the oil. Oh yeah. You, oh, yeah. Obsessed. Obsessed. And when I'm in New York with her at the apartment, she's like, well, you're going to use all of mine too. I mean, well, when you get to be my age, that's one of the things that got me started doing what I was doing. I was realizing nothing was working the way it used to work on yeah. my skin because you lose moisture and things like that. So Absolutely. I'm still always on the quest for a lotion or an oil that actually, you know, if you put it on, I was telling Dave, put it on, and then the next morning when you wake up, your skin still feels supple. Soft. That's the test. And it is almost impossible to have that yeah. happen. 
and it happens with the oil. Oh, Plus, yeah. you know, you're, the scent of the so oranges, beautiful. and you know it's not uh, a scent that has been <gasps> synthetically created. I don't really know, but it's the truth. Thing. Yeah, so yeah. So we work with uh, rubber tay, which is the in grass. So all mm-hmm. of everything mm-hmm. we make on the fragrance side is in grass, and it's really beautiful because you, when you go, you see the people who are picking flowers in the morning, mm-hmm. they drop off their flower petals, and then they get paid in cash. The, the flowers are weighed, and then they get paid in cash for That's what they've... So neat. And then you see how the the fragrance is extracted from the flowers so Mm -hmm. it's just really again it's a very uh time tested Mm -hmm. process it's beautiful when fragrance is well made Mm -hmm. um there's nothing to -hmm. worry about like it's Mm -hmm. really what you have to be careful of is all these kind of like you said if they're poorly manufactured synthetic Mm -hmm. fragrances and you can tell like you're in a car and somebody has one of those (sighs) Yeah. Um, stinky things, and you start to you start to cough, and you get a headache, yeah. and it's those things you have to be really careful about. So I think, I think in fragrance, it was a great education for me to um, learning how things are made, and it was part of our discovery. And I think um, everyone, when they have kids, is the first time you become very hyper aware of of what you're putting on your children. So. Um, I love that journey of learning about fragrance and how to make it well and how to pay attention what's in fragrance and not, you know, and, and because our, our idea is also always to still, it's very much about aromatherapy too. So every experience mm-hmm. should be a beautiful experience. You shouldn't have to put something on you that is just a vitamin and, and doesn't smell good and feel good. Mm-hmm. Everything can be because nature is that way. Think about it. You're mm-hmm. walking through a garden and it smells beautifully and it's, you know, the air is beautiful. So every experience, and that's what teaches our nervous system to calm down, is mm-hmm. is all those cues from nature that are beautiful, that are soft. And so what we try to do with our brand, too, is always remember that that the experience and that making every small, because none of us have time for all these spas and, no. you know, detox and I don't know. You know, I think yeah. everyone's Ten. trying to sell you these things. and. And it has to be simple, and it has to be something that you can do every day. But every experience, every part of your ritual should be bringing you joy. And mm-hmm. um, it's the same thing, you know, with the when you're detoxing, decluttering your closet. And mm-hmm. and what's her name? The great Marie Yeah, Marie mm-hmm. Kondo. When she says it should fill you with joy right. or get mm-hmm. rid of it, and it's exactly the same thing with beauty. The mm-hmm. beauty rituals are things that you can do quickly, but they always should bring you joy. Otherwise, scrap it. You know. Right. So. That's a very um, big part of, and it, and it, Bastide, really, the idea, the name also comes from a house. So we mm-hmm. restored a beautiful old house. It's called a Bastide. And, and, and what inspires us is really the beauty that happens in that house. So you hear children laughing, mm-hmm. you smell cooking, you smell flowers, you, you know, it's a, it's a house that's in and outdoors, um, the beautiful light, around. the nature's all around. So that's Bastide. And everything that we make should feel that way. It's very much um, wholesome, but also very experiential and, and, and beautiful. So, yeah, that's great. That's our it's like goal. if you want to find time to relax in your life and you also want to take care of your skin, if you like to multitask, you can think of it that way. While I am putting on this oil, I'm going to take a minute to really breathe. center myself yes. and yes. breathe in the scent yes. and know that I'm doing something special to nurture myself. 
That's right. And then you head out into your busy day. Yeah. I have a great yoga instructor always says, send waves of gratitude through your body. Smile inside. And <laughs> yeah, that's It's nice. so Smile true. Inside. These little things, you just say them and it changes your day. And yeah. you really... Um, and I think it's also very much about activating all of your, when you, when you send waves of gratitude, you're just activating all this energy that's in right. you and it's pulsing through it's your like body and it makes you strong. Yeah. And it, and it really builds your strength. It builds your, mm-hmm. um, your right. body. Yeah. So it's just being forgiving of yourself. Like you don't have to say, oh, I need a two hour ritual to relax. It's just the teeny little micro moment throughout the day right. that you can just build in That's since exactly we're right. so busy. And did y'all's bar soap just win a special award? We did. You're so sweet. We won an Allure Beauty Award, which yes. is in this amazing. It's so great. And we're, you know, we're still a really young, yes. um, very small company. So, so it's been really exciting. And, and, and for us to win something that big is, is awesome. It's really great. The soap also is it, it's triple milled. It's made mm. by a, we call it, well, it is called, it's a maître savonnier, which means a master soap maker. Mm. Um, he's from the south of France. It's all made in south of France. So again, you know, incredible ingredients, um, doesn't strip your skin. It's it's an it's just mm-hmm. it's a really beautiful experience. I think mm-hmm. most people that have tried it in the shower, whether it's our shower gel or the soap, um, and my husband is has always been a soap lover, so mm-hmm. he was key in in creating it. And I think you know he really deserves that award because <laughs> yeah. it's a beautiful, beautiful um, soap. And and it's it's not you know I think we also wanted we also learned that you have to kind of move away from some of the some of the things you sometimes associate with soap is that that a lot of soaps are made now that they're almost lathering on their own. Right. Mm-hmm. That's actually something you don't want because mm-hmm. it, first of all, it uses your soap very quickly. Sure. It also means that there are products, agents mm-hmm. in there that are chemical because that's what's creating that lather. So um, one thing that we really looked at is how do French people mm-hmm. make the lather? You know, it's very much a ritual again of kind of mm-hmm. working the soap into your hands and you creating the lather, not the soap on its mm-hmm. own. And um, so, yeah, it's been exciting. That's that's one of our. That's a great gift. We won a few awards, but this one's probably one of our most exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. And I feel like each scent line in Bastide is so special and is makes up a different part of Exile Provence. Do you mm-hmm. want to talk about any of those? Yeah. So we uh, that again is uh, what's what's exciting is we're inspired by um, living there mm-hmm. and and the little moments and the. The, the magic that kind of happens all around you. Um, we actually just watched, um, I always say her name wrong, Maleficent, Melissa, Maleficent, oh. last night. And I thought about how cute all these, you know, these little beings and how nature right. is that way. When you kind of start to pay attention, how how it really is alive and there's yeah, there are yeah. all these little, you know, plants are alive. And, and, right. and I notice when I go on my walks in Aix-en-Provence that it's it becomes very dry in the summer but you still have these wildflowers that are growing all mm-hmm. summer long when there's absolutely no one watering them you know so right. we're always inspired by what nature can do and the magic of nature but also by these by these wonderful stories there's one we have a beautiful fragrance called rose olivier and um it's a it's a wonderful story my husband was in grasse which is where we, we do a lot of our, our fragrance work and he was having lunch and saw this amazing tree that was blooming with roses and it was like a big rose wow. tree and he thought to, he said to the guy he said I've never seen anything like this what is that and the guy said well 
very, uh, it happens in the south of France that a, an olive tree and a rose bush fall in love, oh, and wow. the rose bush grows throughout the olive tree and blooms throughout the olive tree. Wow. And the two live together symbiotically, and they nurture each other, and they live together for the rest of their lives. Unbelievable. So it's this most beautiful love story. And so it, it, it was our idea then to create this beautiful fragrance called Rose Olivier, which is a rose and an olive. Yes. Olivier is the French word for oui. olive. I mean, yes. And, oui, oui. Oui, bien sûr. <laughs> and they grow together. Um, and, and, you know, they live together for the rest of their lives. So it's a really, and oh, the fragrance is also lovely because it's it has the rose, it has the sweetness of the rose, but then also a lot of the woodiness of mm -hmm. the olive tree. So it, it's a very, um, it's a very sexy fragrance. It's a very mm -hmm. special one. And it's, it's one of our best sellers. So each fragrance really has that story. Um, we're always kind of looking... Um, we did one now that's um, Nu au Soleil, which is nude in the sun. Oh, that's um, nice. So it's really inspired by uh, near Provence. us. Yeah, by Provence in the south. Of, you know, we have yes. these beautiful calanques, they're called. It's kind of these rocky cliffs that go along the ocean. And often you'll have people bathing in the nude yes. on these hot cliffs and, yes. you know, and then jumping, diving into the water, into the fresh water. So we're always um, looking for stories that really inspire story. you and that that let you again send send these these kind yeah. of waves of gratitude through you like that that refresh you and mm -hmm. um we have another one verven du sud which is a verven fragrance mm -hmm. very very um kind of southern inspired um mm -hmm. so it's fun we have mm -hmm. a lot of fun doing them i remember when i was in uh cassie Mm -hmm. uh, it's not good Cassis, job. It is Cassis. Cassis. Yes. When well, I was that's there, what I was talking about. Cassis yeah, okay. is where the Calanque are. Absolutely. Right. What I was right. Saying. I spent three weeks here right after college with my aunt and uncle. And we would watch our apartment was up on the cliffs. And we would go to the market every day and pick out our olives and everything. But I would watch the women. They would leave work at lunchtime. They would go down to the little beach. Mm -hmm. They would take off their top. They would roll down their bathing suit to a bikini. And they would bathe. I mean, you know, sunbathe topless, eat their lunch, roll it back up put back on their dress and go to work and go back to work right. it was fascinating for a college student from america yes. you know so yeah yeah it's really mm. it's something that i i noticed too is that they they again they take time Very for natural. these little things right you know they're always i've never seen a person in the south of france eat while they're walking they don't right. do it they just sit down mm. even if you're you know, I remember there's this beautiful antique place that I go to where there are mm -hmm. a bunch of different stands and all of the stand owners get together. They put a tablecloth on a Ugh. table. Each one brings a little bit of food. They have wine. They sit down and they eat. It's and I fabulous. think that's what changes your life. It's those little things yeah. and paying attention to them. So for me, that awareness came from spending time in the south of France. And it's it's for sure something that we want you know, people, and, and that we want people to remember, you know, to take time and... and like picking and, the figs. Yeah. Seeing yeah. the lavender, yeah. So I, when you can, and when you can't... But then when you are putting these, on the lotion, yes. you can picture, picture the it, people absolutely. with the olives or um, going to the market and then going home and however they actually make it. That's our dream one day is to go and go to see these people, the craftsmen, making these yes. products. yes. And, it's um, really, really special, and there, yeah. um, and it's, and I think that that is another thing is that one thing Frederick really realized when he came back is that a lot of it has become so industrialized, right. and and one thing it's very difficult when you're building a brand to work with so many different makers, mm -hmm. um, but we really wanted to make sure that we're still 
you know, nurturing mm-hmm. that spirit of people making things in an artisanal mm-hmm. way, in an original way. And, and you can't imagine, this is not, they're not doing this at like kitchen tables. I mean, mm-hmm. they, they do have, sure. it's a, they have businesses that are, you know, this, this woman that I was talking about, Beatrix, who makes the shower gel, it's a small factory. Right. So it's, right. you know, and you have to wear the hats when you walk in. I mean, it's all, you right. know, it's, 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 what do you call it? government? I mean, the government yes. checks on everything. It's they have the highest standards. So, but it's still made in the very original way and the way she kind of that's been passed down through generations. So, it's it's those kinds of things that we wanted to stay to have mm-hmm. stay alive and to also always get the knowledge from these people because they live in that region. Mm-hmm. They care about it. They care about the earth. They care about um, the way they've been brought up. I mean, another beautiful thing about what I learned in the south of France is everyone knows what is seasonal so they don't eat fruit or vegetables that aren't seasonal they know they could i mean they look at you like you're crazy when you ask for an avocado nobody eats avocado in the south of france hardly because it doesn't exist you eat asparagus in march yeah at your parents farm you know where is it coming from if you're having it in you know it's it's a very local local produce and 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 i think then that's also why things taste so good. Yes, is because they're made locally, so and tomatoes are actually red. Right. Yeah, makes a big difference. And what was it like working with Yves Saint Laurent? Oh, Tell well, he's well, I know. Well, it's so beautiful because I really feel like I've seen him from so many different angles. Like I first was working when I was very young, and um, and he was, you know, he was already in. He wasn't that old, but he'd lived a very quick life. Right, I don't know sure. if you remember, but he did a lot of drugs, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, and that was, he was fabulously creative, but it definitely hurt his, yeah. his health. So, um, when I first started working with him, I was just kind of in awe of him and I was very mm-hmm. young. So I of just course. would kind of watch, watch what he was doing. Um, and then when I was a little bit older and an editor, I had the chance to see his last couture show. So I think the second to last and then the final couture show, which was in the Centre Pompidou, um, mm. the fabulous one mm-hmm. where he had like Letizia Casta and Catherine Deneuve and mm. everybody in the tuxedos. And it was mm-hmm. kind of a, um, you know, what do you call it? When it, it's, it's every, every look that he had created came oh, down gosh. the runway. It was yeah. really special. And I, and I remember I was a young editor and I was sitting on one of the lower steps, so mm-hmm. I saw everything. Oh, I mean, you know, it was before Dream. cell phones, so right. I didn't take oh, any yeah. photos, right. but I, I really saw it all. And I think... Um, and I still remember, even as an editor, not the, the final show, but the he used to do it in the Hotel Intercontinental in Paris. Mm-hmm. And he would always have, um, what are those beautiful hydrangeas? He loved mm-hmm. hydrangeas. And he would have these huge hydrangeas all around the the entrance where the wor- girls walked in, where the mm-hmm. models walked in. And I still remember, I was kind of sitting to the side, and I could see his hand sending out mm-hmm. each girl. Uh you know, yeah. past the hydrangeas. And I remember thinking, and it reminded me so much of my grandmother, of mm-hmm. also who loved hydrangeas. I mean, it's just, oh, yes. it was a very touching moment also to see this man who was still with a very graceful right. touch, sending each wow. girl on her way. Mm-hmm. And um, and the, the color magic of Saint Laurent, the way mm-hmm. he combined colors, I remember just being, and already at that point, what he was doing was a little outdated, mm-hmm. um, but you could still feel the magic of the colors and mm-hmm. that, that no one knew how to do that. So um, it was really, really wonderful. And then when I worked for Saint Laurent later, it was already Tom Ford. So, right. um, but these early years and mm-hmm. yeah, it's really special. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like when I was dancing, well, uh, when I spent a little time dancing, taking classes at the school, of, I mean, at, yeah, School of American Ballet, at City Ballet and Bound Chain was still there. 
So, you know, just having those memories. And we went to Isabel's studio in Paris last year. And I used Maisel, to work there. Maisel, oh my God. Yes. We literally, oh, yeah. I mean, I know exactly. I was. Yeah. We were like almost brought to tears. Like literally being in, in his that office, room right. is insane. Yeah. It's really, really beautiful. It's a, it's special. And I don't know if you've seen, um, if you've been to the museum and even the museum now in Marrakesh, the summer oh, we're seeing no, in Marrakesh. This is, it's really, really yes. special. It's something, um, I still have a lot of his old, those cards you know it's, oh it's a really it's a it's magical and I yes. feel so lucky that I experienced that and also the time I had with Tom Ford I, I remember those those shows that were you know mind-blowing I remember the first Saint Laurent show with um, when he'd taken over Saint Laurent Kate Moss cut her hair and mm. um, just seeing her backstage and and the way that woman I mean she just poses like you can't believe she's just awesome she's mm -hmm. really and Tom is an incredible person to work with. I mean, he's a, he's so visionary and he's, and I remember when we, um, this is much later, but when I worked with him at Tom Ford and we uh, were opening the store, so many of the, so the press wanted to see his collection before the store opened. And he said, guys, no, you know, and I remember trying to pressure him to do that. And he was like, we're not doing this because they have to see it in the magic. It all has to come together. This is my vision. And, and, and he's, um, and he was absolutely right, and I think the same thing. How he how he brought back Sonoran, uh, those shows. I, I still get goosebumps thinking about them. I don't think that kind of a show exists anymore. Right. The way he did them and the way you felt. I mean, it was a mm -hmm. really powerful, magical moment. Mm -hmm. And both at Sonoran, both at Gucci. I mean, I've seen, you know, historically some of the greatest shows sure. that ever ever were, and mm -hmm. I feel so happy to have been there when when it was still such a creative time. I feel like now, um, mm -hmm. you know, in our business, it's the same thing, which is why we're trying to keep artisanship alive yes. and to keep people being creative and, and thinking outside the box. It's the same thing in the fashion world. Mm -hmm. It's become so ruled by money and- so what's and, scalable. And, Here's and the what's data, scalable the and data. And what's, you know, and Ugh. how many logos can we put on it? Right. And how many times can we sell this? And and. You know, I was lucky to have worked in a time when it wasn't like that yet. Mm -hmm. You know, it was really someone art. with a great vision and a great. Um, I remember the feather shoes that he did. Do you remember that that whole '70s collection with the jeans mm -hmm. and the? Oh my goodness! Mm -hmm. I still remember. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just really, it's really special. Yeah, it's still. Yeah, it's great. It's wonderful. And how did you and Frederick meet? So we met at a dinner in New York. I had just moved to New York, I feel like. Um, maybe I was here for three or four months. And, um, and a friend of ours had his 40th birthday. And I remember s seeing Frederick, and I think even someone had you know, commented that Frederick was the kind of guy who thought he could get every girl. You know? So I thought, yeah, this is so not going to be my type of guy. He's, he's way too good looking. And he's just kind of, he's going to be one of those typical New Yorkers who just kind of wants it all a celebrity yeah well, it's funny I kind of knew about him but I didn't really mm -hmm. and I and I think unfortunately I think I was making assumptions I thought he was mm -hmm. going to be one of those you know kind of pompous guys and funny enough I ended up being seated next to him at the dinner and he was the opposite of pompous he's the, such a warm mm -hmm. special person he's almost like a kid he's very naive in certain ways he's total gentleman he's so sweet about his son I mean his son is now 25 so at that point he was nine and I remember him telling me and and 
I just I was really surprised by what a what an amazing gentleman and how warm he was. So um, the next day he sent me flowers with a handwritten note, oh. a fountain pen handwritten note. Oh. Beautiful. And so that was really beautiful. I I mean I feel lucky because I. I so quickly, I was still dating an Italian guy at the time mm-hmm. and who was living in Italy. So um, I said to Frederick, you know, we're not, this mm-hmm. is not going to, we can, you know, we can be friends. Mm-hmm. And he was like, yeah, that's perfect. You know, he, he, what was so great about Frederick is that he was just so natural. He mm-hmm. would, he would say to me, you know, I like you, but I also respect that you have right. a, mm-hmm. a guy. So let's do these things together. And he was just very easy and fun and very straightforward. I think that's the thing right. I really mm-hmm. loved about him. Even then, when we started dating, um, you know, I, you know, we were together for six months, and we'd never even talked about having kids. And he asked me to marry him, and it was mm-hmm. just like, oh, you know, I, I have so many girlfriends now who date in New York, and I, I find, you know, guys are always hunting for the next best thing, and mm-hmm. I really feel like I got lucky to mm-hmm. have found someone who's so straightforward and and doesn't play any games and just such a gentleman yeah it's really it's been um and i think the other thing i learned is i i always was attracted to bad boys and Mm -hmm. i always thought that love had to be kind of dangerous and to make it really sexy and Mm -hmm. and i think with frederick i learned that it can also be very sexy to be straightforward and to be uh, you know to not play games um and to be and it's been amazing raising kids with him because it is like that. When mm-hmm. we have an issue, he deals with it right away. It's mm-hmm. not this kind of, oh, we'll do it next week or, right. no, let's fix it, right. you know, and then move on. And I think it's a very healthy way to live. And it's also been very healthy for our working relationship because um, if something's not working, mm-hmm. he'll say it and he'll fix it and yeah. then we'll keep going. So right. there's never this buildup of any weird energy or Mm -hmm. yeah it's a great it's a really and you know I grew up with the most amazing parents but I remember my father would say oh one day we'll go on a trip um, with Harleys we'll drive through the US and I remember always wanting to do it and it never happened and and I love my dad to death he's done so many amazing things so I don't hold that against him but I think one of the things I love about Frederick is he'll say it and he'll do it yeah 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 (laughs) and I think that's how you have to live life a little bit. It's just to go for it and do things. And mm-hmm. um, so it's been, that's been, I feel very lucky and blessed because I know mm-hmm. it's not always the case. So. Right. Oh, God. I know. Oh, um, it's hopeless for me. Dating in New York <laughs> City. It's a whole new, a whole nother chapter. Yeah. yeah. Sure. And then y'all have a store in Aix-en-Provence. We do. We have a beautiful store. It's on the Rue Esparia, which is kind of um, parallel to the um, Cour Mirabeau, which is that beautiful big main street in, in Aix-en-Provence. And it's very close to this uh, Place Albertas, which is one of the oldest, um, you know, Place, what do you call that? It's like a square. It's yeah. one of the oldest squares in Aix-en-Provence. And also where Frederick lived when he was really young. So when you walk out of her store, you see this this beautiful old square. And the store was done by an architect who is based in Aix-en-Provence, and she's actually Corsican originally. And she did a beautiful thing. She worked with all the artisans, local artisans, stonemakers, stone carvers, to make our shelves, to make this oh, amazing wow. sink that's all out of stone, out of a single slab of stone. So it's hand-carved. Um, and and she really translated what our vision was of working with local mm-hmm. artisans into this space. So, you know, you have old wood beams and then a lot of beautiful stonework. 
mm. um, which is, is great. And then what, the other thing that we're working on and that I really love is to work with local artisans. So we have this, um, this, this beautiful pottery. Um, it's mm -hmm. basically a generation of, it's the fourth generation of potters that live, that are very close to our store. And we um, put their pots mm. on display. And we, so we always that's include great. like yeah. something that's local, that is made by hand. So it's like an art um, gallery. Yeah, exactly. Because, so it, the idea is always that you find something that excites you. And, mm -hmm. and um, it's the way I like to shop. And I think other people do too. Oh, so definitely. Especially in a place like X, when you go and there are enough places that, you think, is this really local? Is this really something I could take away from this place that would be a, a, a true memory Absolutely, of Provence, yes. where some of the herbs and stuff, you think, they're yeah. making this somewhere. And they're making it. Yeah. It's, and so it's, that's, that's actually sad, a place yeah. where you can go and take something that you can't get other places mm -mm. and say this was actually, that's the way I felt about the Santon. Yeah, and even our, even home. our, what we, you know, we have it on where we are online. So mm -hmm. we have Bastide.com, but mm -hmm. everything comes from the south of France. Yes. So we really ship it here, you know. It's, right, it's, right. So that's the beauty of it. And some things we only make in limited editions and, you know, because mm -hmm. it, only so much exists. So it's. It's it's challenging. It makes it harder, I but bet. I think it makes it so much more special, and it yeah. and it feels right. So we're gonna keep doing it for as long please, as we can. Please, please, please do. Don't right. change yeah. that. Yes. And what about the difference in working in ready to wear versus beauty? Um, well, I love both. I'm always gonna love fashion. I'm a fashion girl, mm -hmm. and I think it's actually really helped me in what I do with beauty because you develop an eye. You you know, I've, I love art. I love anything mm -hmm. visual, and that definitely helps when you're building a brand because you have to become very clear about what you want the brand to look like and mm -hmm. um, how you want people to see it. So I think that's always helped me. Um, and I always, I'll always love fashion. I always look at the shows. I think what's great about beauty and especially the way we're doing beauty is that it's slower. It's a slower pace. So mm -hmm. I'm in no mood anymore to go to shows and have to schlep around and mm -hmm. I mean, every once in a while, it's great. Like I got to you go get to, to this, go to the great ones. I, I I saw the the Dior show in Marrakesh, which yes. is a dream come true. I mean, yes. that was more like a movie than right. a show. Right. So, you know, you're in this amazing old palace, and they're they're walking over water, and I mean, it's just I was, it was magical. So mm -hmm. those kinds of things, I feel blessed to be able to see. But um, in general, I don't miss the pace of fashion at all because mm -hmm. I feel like there's so much waste and there's. Um, Especially you know, now, so and many different collections. Collections, it's crazy. Poor, I mean, I know so many designers, and right. they're forced to create things, and their creativity is just sapped to a point where awful. It's not fun anymore, and and then you see these beautiful things that are just kind of on sale racks, and yep. then they're burned, and uh, you know, and you just kind of go, huh, there's something wrong with this system. Yes. So I feel very blessed to be in beauty and to be in beauty the way we are because we're making things that are very special and we're not wasting and we're you know there's no so that that it's way like we work with beauty. you know we make things in glass um and and mm -hmm. our papers recycled and so we really you know we're not perfect but we definitely try to make things um that that are good for the earth and that are sustainable so. right yeah. and not because it's a trend yeah it's like you really it's believe it because you you're living it it's the way you live right yeah, it's absolutely 
And how do you think PR and communications has changed from when you first started to now with this technological and social media? Oh, it's completely changed, um, but in such a great way. I think that, I mean, I'm obsessed with Instagram. I love it so much. I think it's so brilliant because you can curate your own, you know, Mm -hmm. I follow the people I want to follow, you know, so I have mm-hmm. a great idea. You know, I follow architects yeah. and mm-hmm. designers and mm-hmm. artists. And, you know, you can follow a girl who's Chefs. making pottery in Brooklyn and you mm-hmm. can follow. I, it's just I, it's a really, really special um, world. And it's opened the world up in a way that I can't, mm-hmm. you know, it's just really, mm-hmm. really special. Um, I think that it it's not. I don't feel like it's changed that much because in the end it's just a new form of communication. So I think social media is just a new way to speak to people. Um, and if you see it in that way, it's not that new. Right. It's just that you kind of have to get in there to, to see where everything is hidden. And I think a lot of people are very resistant and, and, and feel like it's um, putting too much out there. And I feel mm-hmm. like you just have to really trust your gut. I mean, I do that with my Instagram, it's it, when something feels right, it is right. And I'm not gonna, yeah. you know, and if, if I'm having fun with it, then that's all that counts. And if other people don't have mm-hmm. fun with it, they can unfollow. So right. and if you, you feel know, like, I really enjoy it. I really, really do. I think there's so much beauty out there and to be able mm-hmm. to share it and, and, and to send people messages to, to remind them of things. And um, I remember there was this quote not long ago that I shared um, that was, uh, you're not too old, and and uh, what is it? The, the quote's really sweet because it's, uh, you're not too old, and it's not too late. Yeah. That was mm, the quote. That's great. And I got so many responses from people that I were like, that. "Thank goodness you did." You know, <laughs> I was feeling so down today, and when I saw that quote, yes. and, I, and I thought, you know what? I felt the same way when I saw right. it. And you just yeah. share it, share it, and it makes other people take stock and Definitely. take. Definitely, I have you know, to remind people it, that all, all the time. time it's right? not too late. Definitely. It's never too late. It's never no. too late. Absolutely. Yeah. Life is such an adventure. Yeah, and you should live it till uh, it's my parents are getting older now too and you really see yep. these incredible people who've lived such full lives and it it yes. goes it dwindles and so you should live yes. every moment and 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 be vibrant and be excited and absolutely. Yes. No point. Right. Well, that's what we're talking about being independent. Um this morning I was talking to my mother who's 82 and um, she said something was wrong with some remote control she has. And I said, well, you can call Mitch, my husband. He can come by on his way home from work and he'll fix it. She said, no, I'm going to find a way to do this myself. I don't want him to think that I cannot manage this. <laughs> and so, you know, I was telling Dee, I was it. like, there's right. that spark in there of independence yes. and yes. I'm going to figure this thing out by yeah. myself, which I'm happy that she has because it's like Iris Atfield saying, of course I hurt in the mornings, yeah. but I get up, get dressed and get out of the house and forget about myself, you know, and go do very interesting things. And that's right. it's kind of get over you yourself, yourself right? Yeah, yeah. Over exactly. Yourself. Right. Don't stand in your own way. Right. right. Yeah, right. No one else. Yeah. I think we, we all stand in our own way much too much. It's not everyone yes. else that's holding us back. No, it's, it's not. And that's one thing I've learned from, working with her, especially in the beginning, I would say, I can't do that. I'm not going to reach out to that person or, oh my gosh, that person, that wouldn't answer me. And she's like, why not? I don't understand. Yeah. Why can't you? And so I kept hearing that voice, but why can't you? Yeah. Whenever I said, oh, and so like, what's the worst thing that can happen? Right. No Absolutely. one shows up. 
So far that hadn't happened. Yeah. You know, yeah. go for it. So yeah. good lessons to learn. Right, exactly. And what are some of your favorite fashion stories? Favorite fashion stories? Oof. I have to think about that one. Um, well, I mean, I think going to the Met Gala has always been oh my amazing. Gosh, and seeing, you know, seeing it over the years, I think it used to be this kind of very um, mm-hmm. almost small, you know, just kind of a fun dinner. And, and I remember one year we went and who was it? One of the big actresses, Kate Winslet actually made it through the whole red carpet without being photographed uh-uh. because there were yeah. so many celebrities on the red wow. that she she wasn't photographed she just slipped wow. right through and and I thought to myself like now we've it's yeah. just changed so much I mean it really yeah. almost feels like it's and that's not to say it's not still special it's just sure. different it is. and it almost feels like it's 50 weddings at once because right. each right. dress is bigger and one's glowing in the dark and one's yes. you know and so you're and kind of like you know you're stepping on people's trains mm-hmm. and you're just so it's just and everyone's a celebrity um, mm-hmm. I think you know that was that that's a big change that I've seen where mm-hmm. it used to be much more about fashion and it was much more um Creative, I think now it's become very celebrity, but that also gave it a lot of attention right. and, and they were able to raise a lot of money um, mm-hmm. and it'll go through a new wave again, I mm-hmm. think. So it's, it's just interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but those are, those are fun moments and kind of standing next to Tom Brady at the bar or yeah. um, <laughs> it's, it's stuff like that. Yeah. And also, I mean, I've gone through so many, I mean, I used to dress people for events. So right. I mean, I can't even, you know, guys Too many. Would, would lose their, I remember when first, when we first started with Tom Ford, he didn't have studs yet. And so we would have to call like a Cartier or someone to give us the studs for the tuxedos, the Tom Ford tuxedos. And I had two guys Maybe they'll remain nameless, but very big stars. And I dressed them for the Met, and they both lost their studs. And so I had to go to Cartier the next day and be like, I actually went to one of the hotel rooms where one of these guys was staying, and it was a mess. I mean, there was stuff everywhere. I had to pick up the tuxedo from the floor, the shirt, and then I was looking under the bed. I found like three of the studs, but he must have just ripped it off. You know, half drunk and like, I mean, it just, or fully drunk. So it's those kinds of like, you know, where you just kind of see these amazing How funny. superstars. The and then behind the scenes, I also remember um, when I was very young, we took Matthew McConaughey to, um, to uh, this beautiful place. He was actually there for a Gucci show and we took him to... Um, this beautiful place called Villa d'Este for dinner. Mm, fabulous. And he was also... Wait, where is this? Villa d'Este is in outside of Milan. Oh, we went. And it's and on the Como, on the Lake of no, Como. Oh, no, no. Okay. Sorry. And and um, and so Matthew McConaughey was super young, not married yet, and just oh so fun. Like, he was a really nice guy, but got so drunk. Oh, my gosh. That Hilarious. we hardly could get him out there in the car. Uh-uh. Like, he kept... I mean, uh-uh. it was just so really cute. funny. Yeah. By the time we got to that place, he had had so many drinks in the car, and... Uh-uh. Um, we had a really fun night, and and it was just so it's these kinds of like so it's funny when I see a movie now, and I always remember, you know, when he was like, just, yeah, young, when he was young really man. young, and mm-hmm. and it's it's those things like I I feel like the other thing is Tom Brady. We dressed a lot, and 
we had a girl in the office who was obsessed with the Patriots, obsessed with Brady. And I remember I said, well, next time he comes, I'll introduce you. And so I brought her in and she literally (gasps) couldn't say a Uh -uh. word. She was just standing there and I was like, "Mm, time to go. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Say hello, say hello, say hello. And goodbye. Look him in the eye. This is your name, remember? God, it was really fun. So I don't, I'm, I, yeah. I I feel like I've really had a a lot of fun experiences. in the fashion world, um, also with Frederick, kind of seeing mm-hmm. the whole LA world, seeing the, you know, oh, yeah. Oscar parties, how they change from Vanity Fair to, mm-hmm. you know, the original ones to the way they are now, and kind of, you know, I remember the first Vanity Fair party, every single person was a celebrity. I mean, you, oh, li- it was literally like you were. I, I would turn around and gosh. every single person was a celebrity. And now it's changed. Now it's a big industry event. You have like all the agents, all the they used to never, used to never come. Mm-hmm. So. Um, yeah, it's, and I, and I, I think looking back, I probably, I was so insecure at that time, you know, I would never even go up and say hi to anyone mm-hmm. because I was always like, you know, they don't want to talk to me. Right. And, and I think looking back, you realize that you really should just, I mean, it doesn't mean you should never, yeah. you know, break into a private conversation. You should always have manners. <laughs> yeah, it happens to me a lot with Frederick that we'll have dinner and someone will just butt in and say, how mm-hmm. should I do my hair tomorrow? And you know, you're uh-uh. kind of like, Where oh my gosh. <laughs> how should I cut my hair? Will you cut my hair? Yeah. You know, and so, so I'm very respectful of people, but at the same time, I feel like, you know, you should really just enjoy every minute and be, yeah. be yourself and talk to people. I mean, you're I think you're it. so wonderful at that too. Yeah. Like you're such a, you're so engaging and, 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 and I think that's what people love that, you know, they, right. they love to. We went to a gala here in the early years and they said, if you don't start going up and talking to people, I'm not going to let you come to these things yeah, anymore. Yeah, will not be my date anymore. Exactly. We're going to divide and conquer, and when we come back, I want you to tell me three people that you've met. Aww. Well, it was the Young Fellows Ball. I was like, I'm like 30 years older than everyone else here, but it all worked out well. Oh, how cute. It's, it's, it's that same thing I'm of sure why she not. T- yeah, exactly, why you know. not. Yeah. Um, yeah, keeps Katie, us young. I do, I do, I do. I do. I keep looking to see when my turn is going to be. Oh, um, okay, no, so I'm when we did, much. no, no, no. When we went to see Frederick get that wonderful award, mm-hmm. the Beauty Innovator mm-hmm. Award at the Daily Front Row yeah. Media Awards. So you came in a little late because you had had a crisis at home with <laughs> your daughter. It was the beginning of school, and she yes. was going through some things. And you were saying, Daddy's getting a big award. I really need to go, but you yes. couldn't leave your daughter. And I heard the other day on a podcast a woman mm-hmm. talking about she was in China and got a call that her daughter had um, chicken pox or I'm pretty sure it was chicken pox and how she had to work out getting her daughter to the hospital and everything from China right and immediately did what she had to do there and got back on the plane so obviously my question is how do you manage do you have any advice for people about managing being a mom and now having almost like another child as bestie well I think I think the number one rule is to not be so hard on yourself mm-hmm. you know I think that um, I've realized that if I stay calm, my kids are going to be calm. Mm-hmm. And if I, you know, so, mm-hmm. so I think sometimes we think we have to do everything so perfectly and we mm-hmm. really don't. Mm-hmm. We just have to show our kids that it's not all perfect, but that we're going to be fine. So yes. I think that's the biggest message is that don't, don't feel badly about not being there or about missing something. Right. 
um, and and just make sure that when you're there to be mm-hmm. there fully. I mean, mm-hmm. I think that that's one of the the lessons that we were just talking about. We go to you know when we're not in Provence, we mm-hmm. go to upstate New York in Millbrook mm-hmm. on the weekends. And, and to just really spend time with kids outside and to really listen to them. And mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think for me, it's those, those moments, those rituals of bedtime and waking them up mm-hmm. where I get a lot of great information and, and they know they can count on me. I think kids just mm-hmm. want to know they can oh, count yeah. on you. They have a rock. At, at certain times. And my daughter calls me all the time. I mean, yeah. I mean, she's just got my number down. Sure. So I'm always, she just has no problems calling me out of a meeting to tell me something. But you know, I think once you built that, kids are really resilient and they really like to see you happy and they like to see you working. Um, and, and And you're setting an example. Yeah. And you're setting an example. And I just, I, I think the, the women I really admire are the ones that don't feel any guilt. I don't think guilt makes right. any sense. Oh, so I think you just do what you can and you show up and you, um, I think I've, I'm really lucky with Frederick um, and having this business together is that I wanna be there for my children. So I kind of make rules, you know, we don't mm-hmm. go out very much at night mm-hmm. because that's our homework and right. dinner time. So yes. you just have to, And it won't be there forever. Yeah, it won't be there forever. And I think, you know, New York, that was also one of the lessons of New York is that you have to learn to say no so that you have time to do the things you really want to do. Right. And if if you don't say no in New York, you could be going out to six things every night and you would feel (laughs) empty and you would feel, you know, and I think that that's also kind of getting older and you really learn to prioritize Mm -hmm. and and just do the things that are important to you because um that's what that's what makes Mm -hmm. you feel good at the end of the day so i think it's it's those little things Um, yes and and well that's huge yeah and i've also i feel lucky because i can make my time you know i can really make sure i'm there for dinner every night and i am and you know if i'm not traveling i don't travel nearly as much as frederick does right i mean it's hard having a business in provence so we kind of try to go back once a month but either it's when the kids have vacation, so we take them along, or right. um, he goes and I don't. Yes. And and I I want to be there. You know, yes. I want to be there for for this time, and I and that is my priority. I mean, yeah. Bastide is absolutely my baby, and of I give course. it um, so much energy. But my kids are still my number one priority. Oh yeah, for sure, Definitely. no question. So yeah, I think the main key that you hit on is the guilt factor. For some reason, that is so hard. It's so hard for me, for sure. Where if I'm at home in Alabama, I feel like I need to be here doing things. If I'm here, I definitely feel, especially with my my, my parents and things, I feel, um, you know, that I always need to be somewhere else. And it's very hard yes. to say everyone is probably fine without me, actually. Yes. Um, I agree. Mm, it's I've still say, hard. I've, I have parents in Germany that are not doing well, and right. my sister's taking care of them, and. I agree with you. I, you know, you always, um, it's funny. I actually said the other day, I said to my sister, you know, I'm so thankful that you're here, that right. you're doing this. And she said, you know, you don't have to say that. And I said, no, actually I do have to mm-hmm. say that. And it's okay to say it. You know, she almost, um, and, and I think that's it. Like you, you can say it and be thankful, but you don't have to feel the guilt for not being there. Right. Um, you just do what you can. Well, and especially because she probably feels lucky that she is getting to spend this time with them. She does. That you're missing out I mean, out it's on. hard. It's hard. Yeah. But yes, for sure, some of it's okay and some of it's hard. And, yeah. Because um, my sister lives 
far away too. Far she was away, a, yeah. Well, Kansas, but yeah, it's still a long way away. So yeah, and I and I also think I mean I think I noticed that with my parents, but also with my kids is that the more you empower them, I think our other the mm-hmm. thing I really realize is that so many parents tend to hold on to their kids for much too long, mm-hmm. and I feel like our job is really uh, to give them love unconditionally, but to also let them be uh, on their own as early as possible. Give to them, let them give to them tools. Give them tools. Give them a sense of security. Give them. Uh, you know, I let mine walk around the corner all the time. She's mm-hmm. ten. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people don't let their kids on the street mm-hmm. alone in New York City because mm-hmm. they're petrified. Mm-hmm. And I say, go for it. Like exactly. these are little things that you can do. She took a flight actually from New York to Paris three months ago by herself. Mm-hmm. I picked her up in Paris. Frederick brought her to the airport. Mm-hmm. But I mean, these are the kinds of, I flew for the first time when I was four years old. Right. And I think it's those things that make you feel like you can do it. Because if we tell our kids they can do it, right. they can do it. And, Absolutely. And also that sometimes when we're not there, that's when they have to step yes. up. And they have You'll to figure be okay. it out. They have to do right. their homework because I'm not there to check it. So I think that these are all really good lessons. And if we let the guilt you know, if we're always feeling guilty, we don't realize that actually by not being there, right. we're doing them a big favor too. Maybe yeah. turn it around and yeah. look at it in a different way. Yeah, and and as long as you give them the, I think it's a, it's much more of an emotional support. As long as they feel emotionally supported and they know you're there, um, emotionally, yes. they can they don't need you there physically all the time. I think you're right. I think they just need to have a rock, yeah. someplace in their mind, this connection yes. that my husband says the um, umbilical cord was yes. never cut. Yeah. Just the feeling that you're connected. Absolutely. There's someone out there. Yeah. You know, that's got you. Yeah, and I think these times, like I said, like bedtime, yes. morning time, if you can be around for certain times, you got it done. You got like it. it's just good. Definitely. Yeah. And off your phone, that's the biggest thing. Yes. Don't look at your phone. It's probably good we didn't eating. have phones when she was little. I know, right? I Oh, what is your other thing? No, I think that was it about uh, long distance because we both yeah. have long distance situations. And how do you split up the duties, the responsibilities with Frederick for Bessie? I mean, we do a lot together. Um, we are a very small team, um, but we're, I think he's much more, funny enough, I mean, he has a creative side, but he's much more the businessman. Yeah. And he's been a businessman. He's I mean, been a businessman. Oh, yes. That's absolutely. Career. Yes. Career and built, you know, an amazing brand. Yes. Um, and he just bought it back. He just bought Fakai back. So that's yes. very exciting. So exciting. And he's really, you know, doing amazing things. That's actually why he got the Innovator Award. Right. He um, created this the first line of, of really beautiful functional clean shampoo mm-hmm. conditioner and a, and a styling um, spray that I'm so proud of him for because it really works you know yeah. that's what kind she of was always talking been about. Mm-hmm. and it's funny because again there it's a bit of a re-education you, you know when you're washing we're used to having so much so many parabens silicones right. in our shampoos that when we're washing we feel like ah this doesn't feel as moisturizing as usual mm-hmm. but it actually is more moisturizing mm. it's just that we're used to these kind of glossy things that, right. that cover our hair that leave, and the yeah. gloss turns into gunk and yes. it actually yeah. isn't good for you. So when you, you realize when you're using, it's called the pure collection, mm-hmm. when you're using it, your hair is shiny yeah. and right. moisturized yes. and amazing and it's not drying but you know we have to get over those like feelings of, of things that we're used to. It was the same thing with our Bastide soap, you know, creating right. the soap oh, sure. without having the, 
you know, the suds. It's, Which just it's, makes me think of the European yeah. way of living. Yeah. You know, just more going to the market, simple, washing your hair simple. with simple products. Uh, your best good is good products. enough. Right, yeah. good right. products. Right. Good very sourcing. Simple, you know, the having, best products, yes. but very simply made. Yes, exactly. Which sounds which is like the way you cook in the south of France because no meal you know you go you eat in the south of France and you think how did someone make such a beautiful meal it's because they used really good ingredients and they they got it that day from the market yes they didn't stock up for a month exactly exactly and it's exactly the same thing in beauty if you're using incredible ingredients and you're formulating in a way that's that's good you know we do a lot of cold pressed oils Mm, you know you just mm -hmm. there's so much out there that you can do that really helps to to formulate so yeah. um yeah but i think we kind of divide i'm definitely more the creative one okay. and he's more of the business one yeah. um and that overlaps Perfect. for sure um but that's probably the biggest division i would say mm-hmm. and, and obviously i work on and i, I count communications and, and and marketing and all of that in the on the creative side so mm-hmm. yeah does he do your hair you know what that's so funny he cuts my hair um, and he cuts the kids' hair, and he cuts my mom's hair, and he's yeah. always—I mean, my vision of him is always—he's always outside on a chair cutting hair in the grass. That's oh, like that's, that's Frederick so Fun. And and he um, is amazing. I remember once he cut my brother's hair, and my brother kind of—I mean, I'm not trying to show off here, but he yeah. does look like a little bit like Leonardo DiCaprio and uh-huh. Brad Pitt. Like he's a really good-looking guy. And my brother had kind of longish hair, and Frederick cut it, and he cut it a little bit shorter. And then at dinner that night, he was sitting across from my brother, and he's like you know what I'm not done yet and he kept cutting and now and and then he had this really short like kind of Brad Pitt at a short stage and it looked awesome and that's kind of Frederick he's very he's very visual he kind of is incredibly I think cutting is more exciting for him mm-hmm. because it's where he can do the big he has oh, the biggest sure. impact and he can change he looks at cheekbones he right. when he's cutting hair he always makes people stand up okay someone said so that, that to us at the so event the other night so he sees your proportions and he sees you know how is your body how are you moving how is your hair moving when you're moving how's mm-hmm. your profile you know mm-hmm. how is that going to work so his cuts are legendary and yes, i they you are. know they and they grow out more beautifully than they mm-hmm. were the first minute a lot of times he'll cut my hair and it'll be a little short and i'll mm-hmm. kind of be a little mad at him <laughs> but it's, it's always the it grows out really beautifully mm-hmm. and it's it's you you don't need a cut for much longer because right. it's so good but does he do my hair no i mean i'm very good at he I, he's also it's funny because he's become you know he leaves the he leaves the house in the morning with a briefcase so a lot of times i kind of forget what he does oh, yeah. um and he's You're not so in the business thick of things right yeah now. and i think also i feel like hair is such a personal thing sometimes when he's doing my hair i kind of mm-hmm. it's almost like i feel like i'm using him in the wrong way yeah. I'd rather have a coffee with my husband I'd rather oh, have yeah. a glass of rosé with my sure. husband and not have him do my hair so I yeah. feel like mm-hmm. you know yes can he help me in a pinch <clears throat> for sure and he mm-hmm. has but generally I do my own hair or mm-hmm. I'll go go sometimes I go to the salon and that's right. wonderful yeah. too so yeah and what is it like working with your spouse how you know what it's um I think as a woman the most important thing I would share is that it's so important to listen to your intuition and have your own voice. <clears throat> it's very hard when you're married to a man who so, has been so right. successful, mm-hmm. who's so charismatic. Has so much knowledge. <clears throat> so much knowledge, is so wonderful. Sometimes it's hard to, to trust your own voice oh, in sure. that mm-hmm. and to kind of stand up to him. Yeah. Um, because you always think, why, why would I know? He knows mm-hmm. better. But I've really realized that you know, and to and to be 
to own what you've what you've learned. I mean, I always it's funny when I do this kind of a podcast, it kind of reminds me of all the things that I've done right. in my life. Yeah. And when you were twenty one. Yeah, and that it's okay to know things and that yes. it's okay to speak up and not be afraid and to also not be afraid of getting in a fight with your husband sometimes. Right. I mean, sometimes we fight about something for a long time and mm-hmm. it usually and always it comes out better because oh, of that. sure you know because we've we've and I there was a great article in um, I think it was in New York magazine about anger and that so many people are afraid of anger and they, they always mm-hmm. think that um, they have to underplay their anger and they have to be so Sublimate. poised and and it's actually the opposite anger is a really good tool for clearing for cleansing yeah for great energy to activate. And I found, I mean, that doesn't mean that we're always shouting at each other, but sure. I found that <laughs> anger correctly placed, or not even anger, just... Um, not even confrontation, but just, just bringing just it up. power, just bringing it up and having the strength to fight for something you believe in mm-hmm. is one of the most important things I've learned in yeah. working with my husband. Because you do, you know, you have to be humble. You have to know that he knows certain things better, but... But there are also some things that I know better. I'm sure there's some things that he says, that's a wonderful idea. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) He'll usually say, he'll usually, a week later, he'll say, didn't I have, wasn't that a great idea I had? (laughs) (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That makes him sound awful. No, no, I have. Oh, God, no, but it's funny. It's, it's, he's, no, I'm joking. He is actually, he's gotten better. And I, but even there, I have to say, you know, it's, and I and I think it's okay. Like I don't. I also don't want to be one of those nagging wives who said I told you so. And sure. This was my that was idea. My idea. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to be that person. But sometimes in the right moment, I think it's also good to say to your husband, well, I kind of remember that it was my idea. Oh, you know? absolutely. So, so I definitely do that. I definitely do that. Yes. And I think he, the great thing about him is that he learns and that he, he's also open to to criticism and and mm-hmm. um, and I'm thankful that that I. You know, I, I'm also very nice to him, but I can sure. I kind of tell him to it like it is. Like I yeah, really you can kind it. of do it with humor sometimes. Yeah, actually, sometimes. I think that was my idea. <laughs> that's yeah, kind of the way yes, I do it. That's yeah. how you do it. Yeah, oh. correction. Yes. So cute. And where can we find you and Bestie? So on Instagram, I'm S V Wolfen, and Bestie is Bestie Official, F, which is O F F I C I A L, the French Official. Um, so Bestie Officiel and yeah. And Frederick is Frederick Fakai. Yeah. And then he has um, Fakai and then he has his new line which is called The One. Um, so he has the two lines and they have their own Instagram. So a lot of places to look and a lot of fun mm-hmm. things to see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then Neiman's the web. Oh, so 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 we are exactly so we're at um, Neiman's the Conservatory has a great mm-hmm. experiential space that I know you guys looked at. We created this beautiful space with an artist that is supposed to transport you to the south of France. So you hear the sights, mm. the sounds, and you smell the scents of Provence. The video. the video, and you hear the crickets, and mm. it's all painted by this artist from Paris. It's really special. So mm-hmm. that's a great quick pit stop that you can do. And the conservatory sells our product. Then we're at Neiman's at Hudson Yards. Um, we're online at Bastide.com. Um, Nordstrom, um, we're at Holt Renfro in Canada, Mecca in Australia. At too. Online at Neiman's. Um, and our own website, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. it's exciting. We're definitely right. So what does the future look like? Well, the future. I mean, for me, it's always kind of a creative thing. So it's always like, what else can I find that's exciting to yeah. share from the south of France? Um, rituals or products that that 
people are excited mm -hmm. about. So we have some things coming that are that are fun. Um, Tell us about the two beauty products oh, right yeah. now. So our skincare was was a really amazing path. We've kind of been working on it since the beginning. Um, mm -hmm. Our like you said, the 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 dry oil that's for the body that we have. It's called Huile Patente is our bestseller. So. Uh -huh. So, you know, we had so many requests of when are you going to do a face oil? And so we really started working on it pretty early on. Um, but it took us a while because we also wanted to formulate in a very modern way. So we created this oil that um, it's called Elixir Deux and it, it basically applies like an oil, but it dries down like a serum. So it's very lightweight nice. and it has this incredible function. So it's um, extracts. We have this very light oils like obsidian oil and hazelnut oil. Mm. Um, and then we have um, extracts that also protect against the sun, uh, not the sun, uh, the, the free radicals and, and uh, pollution. Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's a really um, modern thing, but created from very simple, very high level ingredients um, from the south of France. So it's oils and, and, and extracts, um, plant extracts. And then the other um, product we created is a beautiful mask, which also is, is uh, the clay comes from Roussillon, which is this beautiful, it's kind of called the, the Aspen of the south of oh. France. It's this beautiful red clay area um, and, and also where a lot of pottery is made. And this clay is called live clay. It's just, it's amazing because the sun, the heat of the sun really makes it very detoxifying. And what it does is it really extracts all of the, the dirt that's in your skin. Mm -hmm. And again, there we formulated um, with red rice and extracts of melon and, and fig and wow. um, lemon to, to brighten your skin and to moisturize at the same time. So you're mm -hmm. not just extracting, it's also very moisturizing and beautiful mask that you can use once or twice a week. And I use it as a spot treatment. So whenever mm -hmm. I get something breaking out, I can keep it mm -hmm. on at night. Um, and they're you know, completely natural. They smell amazing. They're real rituals that that are um, that you can use. Um, and the oil is amazing because you can. We've developed kind of another thing that I've really learned throughout this process is that massage is a great way to kind of um, help your face to keep it in place to work on the muscles. So mm -hmm. we've we have a lot of massages massage techniques like online that oh, work good. with our oil. So again, there it's really about applying it in a way that's. Um, also going mm -hmm. to boost your mm -hmm. radiance and, and they're really incredible products. So kind do you of do the oil in the morning and the night or do just the oil bed? in the morning and the night. Okay. Um, and then a lot of times, like I found that these winters, um, mm -hmm. in New York and we have the same thing in Provence where we have something called the Mistral, which is this really mm -hmm. strong wind. Mm -hmm. If you just kind of pat the oil, the, the greatest thing about the oil is you heat it in your hand by pressing mm -hmm. your hands together. So it's not a rubbing thing. You really press your hands mm -hmm. to heat it and then you just pat it on your skin and it really, you know, even throughout the day, if you're feeling like, you know, mm -hmm. that, that wind is getting you, it's a great way to protect. And, um, and in making this oil, we really learned about the integrity of the skin, you know, mm -hmm. that you, you don't need so many products. And kind of growing up in America, mm -hmm. I always thought I needed to scrub and I needed to mm -hmm. put all these chemicals. And, and if the integrity of your skin is solid, um, and that's the beautiful thing about oils, is they're really filling in your lipid layers mm -hmm. and bringing um, vitamin E, you know, uh, uh, incredible mm -hmm. um incredible uh, building blocks for your right. skin and then you don't need much else because right. your skin is plump it's it's keeping the moisture in I and think it's, a lot of the things right? that they sell really don't do much of anything anyway absolutely yeah. so you so something like this it actually serves a great purpose and is very simple and then you can right. go on with your day yeah. people will be more apt to use it as well 
Absolutely, absolutely. So we're yeah, we're having a lot of fun with that, um, and we'll keep Great. plugging away. Yeah, yeah, it's exciting. Can't wait to see what's next. Know, all right. Well, I have more questions, and we can sit here all day. All day. But I think we probably need well, to wrap it thank up. You. Thank you. so much for. And you guys are such a wonderful force of. I mean, I'm, from the minute I met you guys, like it's so funny. Also, that southern accent. I was just like. This girl's got it going. <laughs> you guys are amazing. So um, I love the, the you. love We're you have so for each other and the, the happiness and the positivity you share. So thank you for all that. Absolutely. If you like what you heard, tell a friend about our show, subscribe to our podcast, and also scroll to the bottom and give a rating and or a review. Those are the best ways for other people to find out about our podcast. See you next time. Bye.